Hello, my name is Philip Mirton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Now, first of all, later in today's show, we're going to have an interview with Sparrow Hart of Vision Quest. And Vision Quest offers a number of workshops and trainings in the American Southwest, New England, and Mexico. These programs are intensive, offering participants a deep encounter with nature, both inner and outer, and the often shifting boundary between the two. Now, getting to the main topic of today's show. I've entitled it, A Return to Ancient Greece, Metaphysics for Everyone. Now, of all the terms that are used in the new consciousness or modern culture, metaphysics remains a word of mystery. We use it, but a lot of people don't really know what it means. And in fact, when you go to a dictionary on the term metaphysics, the very first thing they say here is that there's no general agreement on how to define metaphysics and that's from a dictionary of philosophy now the term itself has an interesting beginning because metaphysics begins with aristotle and it was actually the name of a book that his editors attached to a volume that came after Aristotle's book on physics and the meta was supposed to mean after physics but Aristotle himself never in fact used the term and over time it's been given different meanings. interestingly even though the term metaphysics was used to um, title a book that came after physics today we are accustomed to thinking of metaphysics as something that comes before physics or something that is that's it's more like a worldview you have to have a worldview before you have a science and so today we're going to do something we're going to speak to Dr. Winborn of the International Academy of Metaphysics now Dr. Winborn is the president of that academy he's the founder of the Conscious Seekers broadcast and IM radio which is one of the fastest growing new age outreaches around He's the founder of, of this academy, former dean of the Newark uh, Tabernacle Bible Institute, and host of the metaphysical-based radio show, again called I Am Radio. Now, welcome to the show, Dr. Winborn. It's great having you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm honored to be here. Well, it's, well I, I wanted to do this because I'm interested in the academy, but before we start talking about what you do with the International Academy, I'd like to get our terms defined, and that is, in this day and age, it seems to me metaphysics has come to mean all sorts of things, as I sort of uh, started the show off with. How would, how would you define the term metaphysics? Um, a little bit kind of like the way that you just defined it. You know, I look at metaphysics. 
metaphysics, uh, the word meta as being, some say beyond, uh, uh, some say after or before, but I kind of get it being um, beyond physics, um, beyond the physical, those things that are happening outside of our sensory perception, um, those things that are happening beyond our, uh, the physical realm here on the third dimension. That's kind of how I describe it. Now, I know it covers a whole genre uh, of things. You know, within it, you'll have holistic health. You'll have Christ consciousness. You'll have quantum physics. You can have um, a, a number, a plethora of categories that fall under that, category, that, that, uh, that umbrella. <clears throat> but for the most part, you know, I, I kind of see it as beyond physics. Yeah, Those yeah, things yeah. are happening beyond physics. Yeah, well, one of the yeah, well, one of the things that's that's important, I think, is I, I always like to go back to the origin of these terms, and that's why I wanted to talk about Aristotle and the origin of the term. But I think for those who are wondering, well, where do I put this into my daily life? I I would I would call metaphysics a worldview. I think that's another way to look at it, in in mm -hmm. my mind. And there's there's a book out there. And it's called War of the Worldviews, and it's a debate between, uh, I think it's Deepak Chopra debating with Leonard Mladenow, the co-author with Stephen Hawking of The Grand Design. And so it's a materialist scientist debating Deepak Chopra, and it's called The War of the Worldviews. And it's interesting, I think, because today, in today's age, we are actually, I think, in the midst of, if not a war, at least a debate a, and maybe it's even a silent debate between mm. worldviews. And, and metaphysics is right front and center, I think, of, every, of everybody. Whether you think you have a metaphysics or not, you actually have one. At least that's my opinion. I mean, I, 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 think, I think too many people think that, oh, metaphysics, I don't deal in that. That's some kind of fancy philosophical term. But, but in my mind you have one whether you think you do or not. I mean, what do you think of that? Do you think that's true, or do you have a different perspective on that? No, I think that's very true. I actually see metaphysics as the um, the conduit to bring unification, as, as the unifying uh, source to, that can bring all of those scientists, uh, scientists rather, together, whether it's philosophy, religion, um, or, you know, some of the new age sciences with quantum physics and quantum mechanics. I think that metaphysics, as, when we understand it, it brings those things together because I see it as a means of breaking things down to their, their smallest um, uh, structure and in that you find common denominators, which makes it, in my mind, the, the, the unifying. It's the unification, I, I see it, of uh, you and science. Well, now, what, what is it about metaphysics that you think is a unifier? What, will, what, what does bring, what would bring these people from different walks of life or different mindsets together uh, using metaphysics? I, you know, I think that for me, <clears throat> as, a, as a metaphysician, and as one that come out of the church, I was raised in the Christian church. I used to be a pastor. I was a, a national evangelist. And it was metaphysics that brought uh, Christ consciousness to the forefront 
and begin to show me Christ as a metaphysician, as to what he taught, um, and bringing the, the, the science supporting scripture or scripture supporting science, and, we, it, you know, it brings us to uh, certain teachings like uh, you and I are one, God, uh, God and I are one, the Father and I are one, as above, so below, when you see me, you see the Father. These are things that we've heard all the time, and metaphysics seems to pull out of the ancient mystery schools some of those teachings and bring them up to date and have been solidified by the science. And so when I think of metaphysics, I don't think of any one category. I think that it's the art of bringing all of these, all of these teachings um, together into one construct. Okay, no, okay, and so is there, is there one construct? It, it, is is there what is the unifying theme, or is it? Yeah, I think the unifying thing is that we're all divinely connected to source. Right, right, right. And okay, and, so so what was it? Okay, and and some people may not know what Christ consciousness is, and 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 I myself have heard that term a lot, and I've read different books that use that term. But how how do you define Christ consciousness? Well, I mean, the way that I define Christ consciousness is I, um, it's the ability to understand the Christ in you, the hope of glory, meaning that within each of us is the source, within each of us is uh, Christ. Now, I know that that comes with some uh, confusion that's been given to us through dogma in our religious institutions. However, as we follow those teachings of Christ specifically, um, we will find that they're metaphysical teachings. And so within all of us is that Christ. Within all of us is that light. Within all of us, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. You're not going to quote scriptures and scriptures and scriptures, but that is a source that lies within all of us that has been dormanted. You know, I've heard people say that we have to remember that we are not humans uh, having a divine experience, but we are indeed divinity having a human experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've always is the Christ consciousness. Yeah, I've always, I, I've always liked that. I've always liked that saying. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite sayings uh, by mm -hmm. that uh, Jesuit priest, Del Chardin, however you pronounce his name. But, but I really, I really like that. And I think that you know. When 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 we're raised in the Christian faith, and I I was raised in the Christian faith as well, there there's really a dichotomy, uh, I think, and that is there on one side there are folks that believe that Jesus Christ was special, a unique maybe he was God, uh, that that he he reached a level of what maybe consciousness is the right word of divinity that nobody else will ever reach okay that's that's one line of thinking then then there is a line of thinking that's more of a new age concept that says that Christ was human but reached this stage of consciousness and let's call it Christ consciousness that is in all of us that anybody could reach it and, right. and that that's really too you know it's a very serious dichotomy and obviously if you go with the second interpretation it some people would view that as blasphemy uh, but mm -hmm. but 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 where do you come down on that on that dichotomy 
Well, I mean, um, in that dichotomy, I will be the ultimate blasphemer. Because I strongly believe that what he achieved, we all can achieve. Greater works than he said he do. And these are the things that he taught. In fact, you know, when he was confronted by the, the, the Jewish coalition, as given to us in the narrative, and they were making accusations and accusing him of breaking the law, he said to them, that you're not upset about the miracles that I've done. You mean to tell me that your problem is because I said that you are God and that I'm a, that I'm God? Yeah. And isn't it written even in your text that you are God? So how could it that you now be upset with me? Yeah. However, if we go back and we look at the narrative, this was the very reason that the narrative tells us that this character was assassinated because he proclaimed and he taught something that was different and what was going on in the organized religion at that time. Yeah. Um, so he yeah. uh, was trying to portray that and, and give us that information. Now, I would also go as far as to say that from a scholastic or from a theological point of view, uh, when it comes to uh, a world understanding that there were other Christs. Right. Uh, I mean, history will show that there were at least 16 other people that had achieved that level of understanding, uh, but perhaps the one that's given to us in the narrative maybe was the greatest because history will show of an Isa or a Yahshua that traveled up into the Himalayas and studied with the Buddhist monks and some of the other masters, and then coming back after graduating from the mystery schools in Egypt to give us the knowledge uh, that he started to share um uh, um, that, that's given to us in the scriptures. Yeah, well, I have to. I have to say that I think that this question is one of the great questions of our era, and I and I think I think that it's a sign of the times that we are seriously considering whether these religious figures, and I would put the Buddha in there as well, uh, are are examples of what we can be as humans as opposed to unique divine figures that we pray to or worship and and i and i think that that i think that it that frankly if you if we really want to get into this i think that's one of the reasons why organized religion is sort of on the downslide is because people realize that there is more in them than maybe meets the eye that the, that that it's just not in a lot of us to 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 worship uh, divine creatures that there that we realize that that we are uh, maybe uh, avatars uh, in process mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. something like that and and I I think that mm-hmm. that is really what what is going on out there uh, right. in, ter- in terms of in terms of the the walk away or the pushback uh, mm-hmm. against against organized religions now. I want to say, first of all, this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Uh, I'm talking to Dr. Winborn, uh, the president of the International Academy of Metaphysics, and we're talking about Christ consciousness, and we're going to talk a little bit about awakening in a minute because I see that that's, that's uh, something that you talk about on your website and in, I think, the video. Now, now without getting away from this topic, because I think it's very intriguing, uh, why don't why don't you talk just a little bit about how about your own evolution or development from from being you said you started off and I see this here 
you were a minister um, in you, you were you were a what a pastor I'm sorry pastor minister um, at, at a church and now and then and then you developed uh, this this uh, International Academy of Metaphysics why don't you talk a little bit about your own sort of growth or development or, or whatever makes sense in terms of how you changed over time well, you know, for me, my, my, my story was, you know, I started going to church uh, as a young as a young child back in the uh, mid to late 60s. Um, uh, and during the 70s, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and as, as a young man, as a teenager, uh, I started uh, preaching. I preached my initial service, servant. At the ripe old age of seventeen, wow. um, and uh, I started pastoring uh, a church when I was twenty-one. Um, I was a master evangelist, dean of a Bible school, and I and, and I told people the thing that kept me in Christianity, the thing that made me so in love with church, and the thing that made me so in love with God and with Jesus is that. With everything else that was out there, I was so lucky. I was so blessed because I had the truth. Right, and what I had was not like that nonsense that everyone else had. Then it came to a point in sincere study because I was always trained and taught to to to, to study um, study, you know, like Paul told Timothy's uh, study to show thyself approved unto God, rightly dividing words of truth, um, and that was a passion that I had, and. You know, at some time in the 80s, I began to see things in the scriptures that did not seem to make sense. And, okay, and so, and so, and, and what kind of things, why don't you give us an example of that, that didn't make sense in the scriptures? Well, uh, I, I would say they were, were like a number of things. But the major thing for me, uh, you know, in the 80s, in the uh, urban communities and urban churches, you know, that we began to look at the narratives given to us about Jesus. And the narratives, the place, the times that was given to us did not match the images that were given to us. Hmm. And so there seemed to be a discrepancy between uh where they told us that these people were from and the images that was on my on my fan um it didn't seem to match up um and so i began to look at that and other things and begin to say well what else um uh, might not necessarily be the 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 truth what else w was changed when did they change it why was it changed why is it in here, and why is it presented to us uh, in, in this manner? Well, well, I think that you're doing something, and, you know, one of, one of my things and, and is that I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer by trade as well, and I like, I like to look at all ideas, whether they're scientific or spiritual, with a questioning mm -hmm. mind. Because my feeling yeah. is, is that if something is true, it should, it, it should stand up to questioning. Absolutely. Faith is Absolutely. Fa science itself. If if you really get into it, science itself, a lot of it's based upon faith. There there are certain things you there are certain things that you can't bridge. For example, how something came from nothing. Okay, now that's or, or where did the laws of nature come from? 
I mean, there's all sorts of questions like that. But it doesn't mean that you that you don't ask questions, that you don't think about it and try to figure it out. And I and I, I happen to think that it's a lot more healthy to ask these questions, just like just like you're just like you're going through, you know, asking questions, because I, I had the same thing. I think we all have had that, doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, where 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 you read the Bible when you're young and maybe uh, when you're in college or something and all of a sudden you start asking these questions to yourself. You know, I, I was told this is the truth, but some of the stuff just does not make a lot of sense. And then, you, I mean, I think that you're I think the thought process you're going through or you went through is exactly what a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't take the next step, which is to say, well, how can we make sense of this? You know, right. and, and because because I also think there's truth in the Bible. I don't think it should be thrown in the shelf of the fantasy novels either. So absolutely so, not. So, absolutely so, not. So, but okay. when you first come, a lot of people have been like me. When I first came into the knowledge and came into the understanding, I was just totally turned off with the church. I don't want to have anything to do with the church. I don't want to have anything to do with the Bible. It's a lie. It's this, that, and the other. Yeah. But over time, it, with, with sincere study and keeping at it, it begins to come full circle. And you say, oh, wait a minute. It's not a lie, but the way they presented it to us is incorrect. Hmm. They've given us false information. They've given us mis- misinformation that have created this particular narrative. Hmm. When the narrative should not be like a, but it should be like B. When you put it like B, now it all begins to make sense. And you say, yes, 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 I see it now. So that there are truths in the scriptures. As well, I would be the first to say, I would never say there are some mistruths in it. There are some things that have been changed. And you've heard the old story. You've heard all of the old arguments, the King James Version, and King James was this and that and the other. You know, we've been through all of that, but at the end of the day, when we go back and do a thorough reading of the scriptures, when we do a thorough reading of of, of the narratives and the way they the way that they should have been presented, it creates a whole other thing. Christ moved from being a person to a a, a concept. Well, I'll you know? I, okay, I want you to, I want you to say, I want you, to, I, 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 and you may be on this right now, but you said an A and a B, and now, and B being, uh, I would assume, the, the B interpretation being closer to the truth, or closer to what you think is the truth uh, in the Bible, what is B? B is understanding, moving away from a literal interpretation. Okay. To an allegoric interpretation. Uh, this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking to Dr. Winborn, the president of the International Academy of Metaphysics, about what the Bible really means and and how he converted from being maybe a literal reader of the Bible to something else. Now, now, Doctor, uh, how does one know? What is literal and what is not literal in the Bible? How, 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 how do you make that distinction? Well, I mean, we can go as far as to say, you know, the scriptures tell us, like, you know, study 
line upon line, precept upon precept, before one jot of pit of my word shall fail, heaven and earth shall pass away. So we should have no reluctance to go and, and do a dissection of the scriptures. Right. Now, if we do a dissection of the scriptures, and, uh, okay, let's take for an example. Okay, this is, today is Thursday, tomorrow is uh, Good Friday, is that right? And I think that most people that follow the East will tell you that tomorrow is Good Friday. Right. So we go back and we look at the scripture, and the scripture that says, I think it's in the book of John, that as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the earth, in, in hell, okay, and, and become victorious. And if you've gone to church, you know, every all across this country, we're going to hear uh, on Sunday morning that he got up and snatched the keys from Satan. And, oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? And, you know, we, we've heard these same things over and over and over and over. Right. But if we go back and we look at it, and I ask people just plainly and just nicely that how, from a literal interpretation of the scriptures of Jesus being dead in the ground for three days and three nights, how do you get three days and three nights from a Friday afternoon to early Sunday morning? Right. 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 Well, well, I think I think that that I think. There's probably a bigger point here, which mm-hmm. which which is which is that the the that the beauty of the Bible does not come in my mind from the truth, the literal truth of the stories. The beauty comes from the moral lessons, and mm-hmm. and and to me, it shows it shows an early civilization, early people trying to understand their place in the world, knowing that there's a mysterious God that they don't mm-hmm. understand. I mean, that's sort of if you read the Bible with that frame of mind, it really makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people do read it like that, which is, hey, we're still in that same story. We still don't understand. But I will tell you one thing. Uh, I think we're closer to understanding it. I think we're closer to understanding the true metaphysics. Uh, and I think that that's what makes our, our, our time interesting. Now, I'd like, I'd like you to talk about, about you know, and you're going to have to speed through this because, because what, what caused you to get into metaphysics? Because I know that we don't have time for, for, for the whole story, which I'm sure is very interesting. But, but what, what happened that converted you into, into running an online uh, program on metaphysics? Well, you know, as a as you know, you know what. At the end of the day, you know, I tell people, I tell Christians, the reason why I do it is because in 1972, when I told God, yes, I meant yes, yeah. that I do, I do what I said at that time, His will. But now I feel like I'll do its will, you know. And now tell the truth, tell this, the the preach the gospel to be instant in season and out of season. And so, although because I don't necessarily subscribe to some of the teachings that I used to, those teachings that that I do have an understanding now and a conviction and an affinity for, I will still tell and teach with the same passion that I did when I was in church. 
Right. So when when you say, you know, how did you get into metaphysics? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you uh, how I got into metaphysics. I, I mean, it's like metaphysics, physics got into me. Yeah. And then I was studying, and I'm like, okay, so they, this is metaphysics. You know, I didn't know what it was, but it I, I understood that I was on the quest to get to the bottom of things because I was always thirsty for knowledge. I was always thirsty for information. And the more information that I could get, it was like feeding a high. And uh, I just wanted to know more, and I wanted to know more, and I wanted to know more. And I went in, you know, in the beginning scared, afraid I was going to upset God, scared, afraid I was going to hell, and all of the things that I had been taught in the past. But, you know, I remember... I remember praying, saying, listen, God, listen, you know, I have nothing against you. You know, I love you. I just want to know the truth. Yeah, you know, I, I have to say that there's a lot of people I talk to on this show who go through a similar transformation, and it's something that everybody can go through, and, 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 here, and here is, the, here is the, the issue, and that is when you open your mind to uh, these ideas— when you don't carry the baggage that is drilled into our heads when we're young about what the Bible's supposed to mean, when you when you start thinking that maybe there's more to the world than meets the eye, and that we are really spiritual creatures, right. when you when you let yourself be free with that thought, all of a sudden things start making more sense, and it really is. I mean, you you put it very nicely a minute ago when you said when you said essentially, well, when you start having these different thoughts that you're going to go to hell, because that's drilled into our mind, Doctor. You know, I mean, that the whole thing about blasphemy, oh my goodness, I mean, is is, is a lightning bolt going to come out of the sky and strike me dead? Right, because, lightning. Because, right. right, right, because I, because I have had the thought that, heck, maybe I could be like Jesus Christ. And, and what's, so, what's so amazing about that is, is I think that that's what he said. I think that's what he said, and so and that's what he said. Right, right. exactly, so, exactly. So, so all of a sudden, we've been taught to to sort of like go in a different direction than the teacher wanted us to go because certain people said that that um, that he he was the only, that you know he is the only God and we're supposed to worship him. But not, and I I'm a big fan of Jesus Christ. Let me let me say that I'm also a big fan of Moses and Buddha and all sorts of people. But I also think that there is a Christ in everybody, or there is a potential to be Christ in everybody, and I think that's the beauty. That's the beauty of our of this of this quote unquote new age we're in. That mm. that, that we could have conversations like this without having lightning bolts strike us down. Um, I'm still Listen, here. There's no, I'm here to serve notice. There is no lightning bolts because <laughs> I would have been fried years ago. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so the real fact that you can hear my voice, trust yeah. me, there are no lightning bolts. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are things that are taught to us as as children um, and and as sheep. Yeah. You know, when you when you when you're coming up and you're young, for lack of a better term, when you're young in the Lord. But I I constantly go back to the scripture, and I'll tell everybody: when I was a child, I thought as a child. Right. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I was able to read for myself. Yeah. I was able to study for myself. I no longer needed anyone to tell me, and plus, I was—I, I, you know—I have—I I was in a position where I was teaching and I was preaching. 
Right. And so I'm finding inconsistencies in stuff that I'm teaching. And now well, I can't really teach that, so I'll leave that alone because I don't really, you know, I'm not real comfortable with that anymore. Right. And so you tiptoe around those things that you that don't make sense to you out of fear that if you question them, you're going to go to hell. Right. Right. Well, and, I, I have to. I have to tell you. I have to tell you that one of one of the major issues that we we are having right now in our modern culture in this in this tension between science and spirituality, or or the acceptance of spirituality and metaphysics and whatever we're going to call it in in the modern age, is is this thing called political compromises. People, you know, we, we, we don't want to give up the old way. We want to sort of put one foot in this modern thought, new age uh, right. thinking, but we want to keep one foot in the old school. And it applies not only to religion. It applies to science as well. You know how I look at that? I look at it that we are here in a very... Uh, unusual time. Yeah. Those of us that are here now are in the transition because we're moving out of one age into a new age. Yeah. We're moving out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. So the DNA is still kind of mixed. So, <clears throat> so you will find a lot of people that um, uh, have one foot on one side and one foot on the other because they look forward to the future and they like what the future shows, but they hold on to the security of the past. Yeah. Well, I, I, my, my metaphor, my metaphor for that is is sort of like you, you, you know, you're on a rocket ship and the destination is Mars, but but you don't really, but you but you haven't really devoted yourself to the to the to the uh, mission. And so, so some of the navigation system is is uh, is programmed to return to Earth, and so mm -hmm. you can't go in two separate directions at one time. Is my point? In in that in that you sort of you have to be all in, and and yeah. and it it and I tell you, I completely agree with you that we are in a transitional phase. And right. and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I have to say that it is perfectly natural to be in this uh, internal conflict where some people right. have one foot in in science and 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 the, and, and the other foot in spirituality. Because I have to right. say, and I'm going to give you a, an example right now because we do a lot of science on this show as well. Modern science has one foot in general relativity. And one foot in quantum physics, and guess what? Those two grandiose pillars of modern science are completely incompatible. They are incompatible. Read any book by Brian Greene. That's that. That's what his books are about, and that's why string theory is so popular because it's the only theory out there that combines the two. My point is, is that we have to make this transition complete, both in science and spirituality. And good right. news, good news is that I think that when we're done with it, we're going to be whole creatures and a lot more uh, happy and healthy. This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. 
We're speaking to Dr. Winborn of the International Academy of Metaphysics. And I like you. I know that on your website you talk about awakening. Are you reluctant to talk with talk with people about the awakening? That's on your website. What and maybe this is exactly the same topic, but I and maybe it's a segue I wasn't I didn't know I was doing. But what what awakening are you talking about? Well, <clears throat> the awakening that I'm talking about is, is really simple. Because I, I tell people that what we are, you know, uh, when I was coming up in church, I often heard about Jesus is coming back again. Right. And I often heard about the second coming of Christ. Right. So now, um, let's qualify that just a little, if you would allow me. Sure. Let's let's suppose that the, the word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, and we all know that that means crystals, and it's the light bearer or conductor of light. And I say that what we are experiencing now as we're moving into the new age, the age of Aquarius, the age of information, is the second coming of Christ. It is the second coming of the light. He said, when I come back this, the next time, I'm not coming all the way back to the earth, but it, I'm coming in the cloud and you're to meet me in the air. And what is that? That's the raising of the thought. That's the raising of the conscious level as we move up, you know, the Hindus and, and the Sanskrit teachers about our chakra system. Right. Uh, above, so below. When we move up to our higher consciousness and to our crown chakra, we're receiving new information. We're receiving new understanding. We're only in the beginning of it. We figured that after each one of these cycles, each one of these ages is 2,160 years to move from one constellation to the next, or one zodiac sign, one house to the next, then uh, we're only in year 13. Well, and I, we go by that calendar. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, aren't you, aren't you using, I mean, but I... You know, I'm fine with astrology, but but isn't astrology too sort of uh, allegorical or 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 metaphorical? I mean, I think it's really cool that if if astrology does work out, and I think it's it's very it's fascinating. But but like the Mayan calendar and various other things, I guess you know that are based upon cycles. I mean, a lot of those things never really pan out. How much credence do you give to astrology? Well, listen, I give a lot of credence okay. to astrology because, I, listen, here's the deal. Okay. The Bible that we read is a book of astrology. That's true. Yeah. The whole book is about astrology. Yeah. I mean, it's been hidden and suppressed, and they told us to stay away from it because within it holds the secrets. So we're told to stay away from astrology, but if you go back and you look at it and you do a breakdown, you can go to Genesis, the 49th chapter, and you look at the 12 tribes of Israel, they're all characteristics explaining the 12 constellations. That's why we have the numbers. That's why you have the 12 tribes. That's why you have the 12 disciples. Uh, all of these are representations of, the, of, 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 of astrology in the scriptures. I would even um, go as far as to say that the very first book authored in the New Testament is the book of Mark. Um, the other synoptics, Matthew and, and Luke, and then, you know, John's in the category all by itself, uh, was copied from that. But Mark is a book about astrology. Mark is a book 
describing the movement of the sun throughout an annual period. Well, let me tell you something about astrology. First of all, I wish it was true. And I, I, I'm not necessarily saying, in fact, I'm pretty radical on it. I, I, I'm, of the, I'm of the mindset that I wish it was true. I think it's, it's, it's uh, fascinating. I think mm -hmm. that in our modern mindset, and this, this is what, I think astrology is probably, it's probably the most severe uh, conflict with the modern scientific worldview out there because as you know cosmology modern cosmology is completely on the other end of the spectrum from astrology but I think I think it is it's part of what I was saying earlier in the show which is that you're given something like astrology just like you're giving something like dark matter or dark mm -hmm. energy, which we're going to be talking about on, on, on the next show with, with uh, Richard Panic, the author of The 4% Universe, who's going to be on next week's show. We're going to be switching gears there. But, but, the, but the point is, is that in the same sense that I would question what dark matter is, I would question astrology, and then I would look for the proof. And, and, that, and, and so I don't think, I would agree with you, I don't think we, we would rule it out summarily because frankly I think it'd be a much more charming world much more interesting if astrology was true right I Listen, think, you I know I think that we are more involved in the the uh, astral uh, physics than what we realize yeah you I know think you're right. we, we uh, our religious orders worship on Sunday right you know that's yeah. the Sun the SUN day and you know the next day is Monday, which is Moon's Day. Yeah. Uh, Saturday is Saturn's day. Yeah. We, you know, and then and then Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Thursday, all of these, you know, we live in this, you know, the whole time. But let's go. Let's go back a step further. So let's say that astrology or, or astrophysiology is based on the movement of the planets and the uh, and light code configuration. And within light code configuration is information. So you can take light code configuration information, we can take string theory and entanglement and create DNA and create atoms and cells and proteins and all of what we have now that persists uh, in this present construct that, that we call life. Um, <clears throat> yeah. There are ways that if we look at it, uh, a lot of these things begin to make more and more sense. You know, if we go to the narrative, I always say, like, the clues are hidden in the narrative. I mean, if we think about this, each each leader in, in, in the scriptures, in our ancient texts, were the leader or was the avatar, as you said, for that particular time. So let's say that, uh, uh, I, I, I can't remember it all, but let's say that Abraham, Abraham was the, was the leader during the age of Aries. Why? What is the hint? We have the ram in the bush. Uh, Moses was the leader during the age of Taurus. What, what was the sign? We have the golden calf and the worship of the calf. Uh, Christ and all Jesus was the avatar for the Piscean age. What is what? Are, what are the hints? We have the the two fish and the five loaves of bread, and, and everywhere you go, you see Jesus written inside of a fish. Why? Those are all indications of Pisces, of the Piscean age. Yeah, I think I think I think that's all that that is 
I think you're um, you're on to something, and I and and your point <laughs> would apply to many other things. Right. Uh, like for I mean, something as silly as 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 rabbit's feet, or or uh, these you know these these superstitions that we I mean our lives are permeated by mm-hmm. by 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 whether it's myth or whether it's uh, um, enchanting stories or mm-hmm. or whether it's lucky charms our, our life is is permeated by things that are soup that would be considered to be supernatural and this goes to this goes to a point you made earlier and then I I in my own book the heaven at the end of science I just got done updating it for a second edition and and there's something in there, there's a sense in there I put that we are supernatural creatures living in a supernatural world. It's it's very mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. similar. We I mean we don't realize that we are I think we are supernatural creatures. We we don't give ourselves credit. And right. and, 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 and we let people beat us back either by mm-hmm. thinking that um, we're really Descended from the apes, of course, that's a whole other story. Or, or, or that we are here, you know, at the mercy of God, and we're here to worship God, blah, 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 blah. But when, right. when, it, when, in fact, our our potential is much higher. Now, I'm going to do one thing. I, 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 I don't know whether you told us what you thought awakening was. I'd like you to have you tell us what awakening means to you, and then I'd like to have, and then I'm going to ask you to. to Talk just briefly about the academy and how people could find out uh, more about how they could take some online classes. Well, the, the awakening is that every day we're finding more and more people that are coming to the realization that you know something about uh, our, our our religious uh, organized religion and what we've been told is wrong. Yeah, and they are waking up to the fact and begin to realize, like you just said, that there's a power that lies within. That organized religion has separated us from it and told us that we're only human, there's no good thing in the flesh, uh, and that if you're going to be all you need to be, you need to worship this entity, this God that sits out in a cloud somewhere that is so far, his thoughts are so far above your thoughts, it's like the heaven is above the earth. You could never, never, ever, 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 ever be like God. Right. What that does is separates us from our divinity. Right. It separates us from the God within. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, or the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that God is within you, around you, and everything. It separates that. It separates us from that, and makes us feel as though we're only human. Now, every day we're waking up more and more, but. Our consciousness, our God muscles have been, uh, for lack of a better term, atrophied, and we haven't used them as a humanity. Yeah, I think that's, uh, a, that's a really that's a really good point. Now, Doctor, why don't you just talk a little bit of, and I think that was well put, and I and I I think you're onto something, and I think that uh, every time I listen to someone like you, and luckily there's there's uh, many people coming at this from different directions, but winding up at the same conclusion. I think it's it's really promising because I think we're on to something. But uh, let's why don't you just uh, briefly mention uh, how f- listeners could find out about your online classes that you do or your academy? Well, the the best way to go to find out about the academy is go to the website. We've tried to lay everything out on the website. 
that is www.metaphysics-online.com. Uh, in there, you will find all of the courses uh, that you can take um, different programs. We have the bachelor's level programs in metaphysics. We have a master levels program in metaphysics. We have a bachelor's uh, program in holistic theology. We have a master's program in holistic theology um, and a couple of other courses. And um, they are all designed for those people that are seeking um, higher knowledge uh, other than that that's being offered through the our, our traditional religious structures. Yeah, well that that's that's great. And 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 I wanted to I wanted to close this sh- this show by also closing a loop and that I started off the show by talking about Aristotle and and we sort of have this image in our mind back in ancient Greece where you had a bunch of these people with white robes and maybe fake uh, beards and hair. They, where they were conversing in the courtyards on the steps about the big issues of the time, you know, what is life, what is the world made out of, and and what is being, what is metaphysics. And today, today, instead of meeting in the courtyard and on the steps of the Parthenon, what we're seeing out there is that we're conversing on the Internet. We're sharing blogs, um, getting online, Discussing, mm-hmm. discussing the big issues in cyberspace. Those big issues remain the same. The mysteries are still there, but I'm optimistic that the answer uh, may be getting closer. Uh, stay tuned for my interview with Sparrow Hart coming up next. Doctor, I'd like to thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. And, thank uh, you for having me. And, and, uh, check out uh, his, his, his website and remember, metaphysics uh, is for everyone. Thank you for listening. As I said in the beginning of the show, uh, once in a while we like to highlight a person or organization that is out there exploring the limits of self-awareness, the human experience, and new ideas. Today I like to um, highlight Sparrow Hart, who is with Quest for Vision, a organization that offers a lot of very unique retreats and other um, offerings that that we're going to talk about a little bit here. So welcome to the show, Sparrow. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so first of all, what what is Quest for Vision? Well, Quest for Vision is, I mean, that's... um, that that's the the uh, the name of my website, but um, basically what I do is I lead the programs called Vision Quests, and what a what Vision Quest it's a, an experience where the participant goes out into nature, into wilderness, and spends four days and nights alone in wilderness, fasting without without any food. So, so it's essentially a program designed for people to really leave behind all of the their identities and and things that that they're familiar with, so that they they come face to face with themselves and with the uh, the living earth, which um, that 
not only we live in, but the living earth that created us. Um, so a lot, a lot of times when I, when people ask me and I explain what it is, there's this kind of response of like, what, what, are you crazy? Four <laughs> days and nights, <laughs> four days and nights without food. How can anyone do that? And um, yeah, well, the natural question is, how did you come up with this idea? Uh, well, it, it's not my idea. It's it's one of the oldest uh, spiritual practices on the planet. You know. Um, if we look at most of the major religions that are that are popular today, if we look at Christianity, there you have the example of Christ going into the desert and fasting for 40 days, and so many of the biblical prophets going into the desert and fasting. You have Moses going up on top of Mount Sinai and fasting. You have the story of Buddha's enlightenment happening when he went into the forest and he fasted underneath the Bodhi tree. You have the start of Islam when Muhammad went into a cave and fasted. So all of these were um, vision quests, and they've, they've started most of the major world religions. So, so one of the things that I, I can say is I didn't come up with this idea. This is one of the core spiritual practices of, of the human condition. Well, and, I think, um, yeah, yeah, and I always say, well, I always say, well, sure, we can... We can worship and we can have all sorts of respect for those great teachers like Buddha and Christ. But I say, why not do what they did? Well, that's a that's a that's a great point because a lot of us yeah. think that it's that there's some kind of fancy uh, technology, procedure, ritual, books. But it sounds like you're going back to basics here. You're going back to I mean, on your website, for example, it says that. Um, the fat, that that the uh, the participants spend four days and nights alone fasting on the earth, which I mm -hmm. think is a which I think is a really really interesting way to do it. Now, what what kinds of kinds of changes do you see in people that go on your retreats? Well, uh, in in everyone, I see people come back with. Uh, a much greater sense of appreciation for uh, their life and nature, and and also they come back with this real sense sense of what's really important to them it are not things that have to do with uh, money or culture or status. They find out that uh, you know here they go out four days and nights with essentially nothing. I mean, they have a tarp they can get under in case it rains, and they come back saying that. That was the best four days of my year. Yeah. So, so they realized the best four days of the year didn't require money. It didn't require comfort. What it really required was them come, getting in touch with the real deeper callings of their soul. And well, that's what happens. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think I, I was going to say that I, one of the biggest problems that I see in our society, to put it one way, is this concept of distractions. We, we, mm -hmm. have, we have so many things that are drawing our attention away from sort of these core uh, beliefs and, and core principles, our being. It, it, it's as if we're pulled in so many different directions. Few of us have time to sit under the Bodhi tree, to, to, sort, mm -hmm. of, to sort of feel our oats, which is another, another way to put it back in the day. And and I and I think it's I think it's it's really refreshing that that you've done something here, 
that really it sounds pretty rigorous but it sounds like something that is incredibly true to yourself yeah yeah it's um yeah people come i mean lots of time some people come having had lots of camping or wilderness experience right. and some people come having virtually none but uh whether you have a lot or a lot or a little one pe- one thing people always find is when they get but to that situation where it's just them and yeah and essentially all your distractions have been removed yeah yeah you don't have showers or iPods or books or food and and when that happens of, of course there's some fear that I'm going to be bored out of my mind but what really happens when those distractions are take, taken away and those are distractions are all the things that are between you and the experience of, of of your aliveness, of being alive on the earth. And when all those are taken away, all of a sudden the landscape uh, almost starts starts to blossom. Um, on the one hand, people say, you know, you're, you're alone in the sense of you're not with human company, but people always come back uh, kind of amazed at, at the kind of heartfelt connections they may have had with with place or with animals they run into. There's this sense of of uh, really discovering the earth as a place where we belong a place that's uh a place that's home and that's and and that's certainly one of the things we all miss in contemporary culture is this real sense of belonging yeah most I, yeah, most, I, most people in contemporary culture are so uprooted you know and so right right i i can't help but think that i mean there's a little bit of david thoreau here where, where, um, and, and so many of us read, read, read the book, uh, you know, read Thoreau in high school or college, and there's something, there's mm-hmm. something to be said, you know, for once in your life, going into the woods by yourself and 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 seeing and sort of sort of removing all those modern mm-hmm. distractions, because you know, the older you get, and I'll speak for myself, the older I get, I think the more important it is to do this at least once in your life because because mm-hmm. it goes by fast and so many of us get caught up in the distractions the rat race pulled in multiple directions and 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 we may not realize really I, the basis or the or the or the context in which we're living our lives and so i think there's really a lot to be said for the way you're doing this i, I guess i have one more yeah. question which is how how did you get started doing this well, um, I think, you know, this, uh, I, I could say like any tree, there's a lot of different roots that, right. you know, that, that support it. But um, probably one of the big events uh, that got me onto it was um, in 1979. I was 30 years old and it was the wintertime and I, um, I read this book called Black Elk Speaks. And Black Elk Speaks was a... Um, uh, a report, a report by uh, you know a Western ethnographer, John Nearhart, of of the life of this uh, Lakota holy man, Black Elk, and but but the a lot of the story of that was about this great vision he had and the vision quests that he'd done his, in his life, and when I when I finished reading that book, I was just I was really stunned by the wisdom of of this uh of this old man of his the spiritual depth to him and 
And I just, when I was done the book, I said, I have to do that. Yeah. And so That's I great. have to do that. And it's interesting you meant mentioning Henry David Thoreau because uh, uh, Thoreau was the one who put the final nail in the coffin that mm. made me drop out of graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good decision. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was reading one of his books and he was talking about uh, prof- uh, all these professors he met and he just made the statement, professors are people who profess things. And it <laughs> yeah. was so clear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, professors profess things as opposed to experiencing them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and I felt like he nailed me. I was on this track to become a professor, and I said, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that, that is really true. I spent some time with professors, and they do a lot of professing. There's, there, you know, there's yeah. no doubt about it. And, and there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole wide world out there um, to live. So, so I, think, I think that this is um, something that really deserves some more attention out there. And I guess I would ask you to maybe tell the listeners a little bit more to, uh, on how to find out about, uh, quest, um, about your uh, Quest for Vision and your programs that you offer. Well, yeah, the simplest way to find, uh, find me would be to go online, and, um, and my website address is www.questforvision, all one word, lower case, questforvision.com. And that'll take you to my website, and there's a lot of information and descriptions on the various vision quests. As I said, I do about one—I do about one per month from March through October. And in March, they start in Death Valley, California, and in April in southwestern New Mexico, and May in Utah. And uh, and the programs themselves are 11 days long. There's a four-day and night solo quest in there, but there's four days beforehand with a lot of teaching and preparation to do it and then and then there's three days afterwards where people come out and we really go deeply into what happened on your quest what happened on the solo time and what are the lessons there that you can then bring back to your daily life that you can think of them like seeds that you need to plant them in daily life so that they will grow so so the best way to find me is to actually yeah, go, go on the website, www.questforvision.com. And there's a lot of information there, and there's a, a simple you can fill out that'll, uh, that'll connect you to the mailing list, and I will then send you information either by email or, or by postal mail. So uh, that, that's the best way to find me well that well that's great and and once again uh this is philip merton i i'd like to recommend folks uh, to uh check out sparrow's website and it's it's something else for it sounds to me like there's nothing you cannot argue against trying to have an authentic experience we should all try to do at least once in our lives and so once again um, sparrow i'd like to thank you for joining us for this little chat here you're doing great things, and once again, uh, I think it's it's good for all of us to um, look at his website. I've done it myself, and there's a lot of really cool things there. So this is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Merton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.